1: 888- 235 7374. And now here's the host of Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom, psychologist Parthenia Izard. Okay, hello, hello, hello. Now, this is
0: the now, so ladies and gentlemen, we are with you as it is 1 a.m. You are listening to Wellness. Our live broadcast tonight, July 17, 2012. Yes, our audio file is acting up this evening, uh, so bear with us. Um, Good evening to those of you listening to us tonight, live, uh, July 17, 2012. And hello to those of you listening to an Internet Archive within a few minutes of the show close or a rebroadcast some other time. Great, you remembered our time Tuesday live, Wednesday and Thursday, our rebroadcasts at 8 p.m. Eastern Time here on Blog Talk Radio. And there is a link on my website. You are listening, as I said earlier, to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Parthenia Izard, here on Blog Talk Radio. And now to call into the program this evening, you can dial six, or excuse me, not dial necessarily, but Select 619-789-6835. That's 619-789-6... No, that is not correct. That's... um No, that's not the, the number for you to dial. Forgive me. Anyway, you or you can send instant messages during the program through the link on the Blog Talk Radio homepage. Now, actually, yes, that is the number. Now, to find the program without the link... You can only do that in my e-card, and you can only do that by signing up to the newsletter on the website, www.amtherapies.com. Now, you can also go to the Blog Talk Radio website, and in their search engine, type in my name, spelling it properly, or the name of the radio program, and that should take you to my show page. I know it's very convoluted and rather um, interesting, but... Once you've done it, you'll always know how to do it. Uh, and then, of course, if you have any questions or difficulty with any of the Internet links, call me after the program at 866-472-6094, 866-472-6094. Now, as you know, on this program, we discuss alternative medicine therapies, related products, and issues, and we do it with the experts. Only try the therapy shared here after consulting with your physician. Now, last week, Tuesday, our live guest was, and that was July 10, 2012, my live guest was Joseph McClendon. Uh, He's the author of Get Happy Now. If you missed that program, you can go to my website at www.amtherapies.com. Click on the radio link to hear the show. For appointments with me, face-to-face or remote, and for general information, you're soon going to be able to go online and schedule your own appointments, Um, and I will let you know exactly when that starts up. But for now, you call 866-472-6094. That's 866-472-6094. Now remember, you can purchase the book I co-authored, 101 Great Ways to Improve Your Health, on my site. Now, To make that wonderful resource a gift to yourself and or a friend, that's all you have to do. Now, you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm Alternative Medi. And, of course, don't forget New Skin Supplements and Beauty Products, where beauty and wellness meet technology. Now, today, after the news, I'm going to be speaking with Jerry Gavin. I knew I was going to do that. I've been wanting to say Gary Gavin. Gavin, but anyway i'm going to erase that from my mind <laughs> and focus on Jerry Gavin now he's the author of Messages from Margaret now that's for the year twenty twelve and beyond and this this is going to be especially interesting and especially important, given the predictions and all these various and sundry um, ideas and Thoughts about the Mayan calendar, so forth and so on. Um, so don't don't miss a moment of this. Now at the end of the program, we will discuss the uh, the herb wild yam and the asana urva prasarita parasana. Now it's time for our wellness news. <laughs> Now it says, why does the week before your vacation think longer when you're going far away? Now, this is from uh, July 17, 2012, today. It says, consumer decision-making is affected by the relationship between time and spatial distance, according to a new study in the Journal of Consumer Research. Quote, we often think about time in various contexts but we do not realize how susceptible our judgment of time is to seemingly irrelevant factors like spatial distance, end quote. Write authors B. Kaylin Un Kim, University of Southern California, Gal Zalberman, Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania, and James R. Bettman, Duke University. Now, it says, imagine that you are in New York today and will be in a different city in one month. Will your judgment of how long that month seems differ depending on where you will be in one month? For instance, will one month in the future seem longer if you expect to be in Los Angeles rather than Philadelphia? Consumers should be aware that spatial distance influences judgment of future time and can impact our decisions. Now the authors asked consumers to imagine visiting a post office uh, today and a bookstore in three months. Some were told that the distance between the post office and the bookstore was long, while others were told it was short. When the distance was long, consumers perceived the same three-month period to be longer. Similarly, consumers who imagined moving far away when their retirement uh, when they retire felt their retirement was farther away in time than those who imagine moving nearer their current location. Okay, it says, now these perceptions can affect how patient we are when making decisions or choices. Because instant gratification is more attractive, consumers often impatiently opt for inferior but instantly available options over superior choices that require waiting. Quote, it is hard to realize that our important behavior can be influenced by spatial distances. So pay attention when making a decision. Spatial distances can change your perception of future time and make you impatient. This is what the authors concluded. Okay, very interesting. Something to think about. Okay, somebody's phone is ringing in the background and that is my guest's phone. So he's patiently waiting for the start of his interview. Now, the, tonight's guest and he's chuckling there. I think you can also hear that. But anyway, <laughs> about our author for well, um I I want to first uh, tell, take you to break and then when we come back from break, you'll be able I'll give you the promo, you know, the information about <laughs> And uh, we'll go on from there. To sit tight, I'll be talking with Jerry Gavin, author of Messages from Margaret.
3: Why should you passively exist with backaches, allergies, PMS, colds, flu, and other ailments? It's time to take charge of your life with preventive measures
0: On Blog Talk Radio. Uh, now, remember on my site, www.amtherapies.com, you can preview and purchase the book I co authored, 101 Great Ways to Improve Your Health. My chapter is Naturopathy. I also want to remind you that tomorrow, Wednesday, 7th, July 6th, 18, 2012, uh, we will be rebroadcasting my Michael Neal uh, interview. He's the author of You Can Have What You Want. And then uh, Thursday, July 19, 2012, I'll be uh, rebroadcasting Nancy DeVille. She's the author of Deaths by Supermarket. Okay, okay very good. All right, so um, now we're going to be talking uh, with... Jerry Gavin. Uh, he's the author of Messages from Margaret for the year 2012 and beyond. Now Jerry is a uh well, for 20 years, Jerry Gavin has been working as a communication and empower, an empowerment specialist, helping individuals to reach their full potential by teaching them how to listen to their body, mind, and spirit. Now, he does this through a combination of modern-day alternative therapeutic techniques and ancient shamanic uh, practices now he, he is a workshop facilitator, speaker, life coach, medium, and creator of the very successful angels and shamans workshop, which puts participants in direct communication with their angels and guides. Jerry lives on a small horse farm in New Jersey with Gail, David, Wyatt, Annie, and about thirty other wonderful farm Critters, which I'm sure he's going to be more than happy to explain who these critters are when he gets uh, started with this interview. Good evening, Jerry. How are you?
2: <laughs> Good evening, Patricia. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, it's a small. It literally is a small horse farm. My girlfriend has yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a pony party business, <laughs> so, oh so we have uh, we have ponies and petting zoos. So it's uh,
0: it's definitely a cool place. Very nice Now what what can you tell us Before we get into the book uh, Messages from Margaret What can you tell us About your background uh, Where you grew up What life was like uh, You know In in your family
2: I had a really Very very Traditional upbringing I actually um, I grew up in Hoboken, New Jersey um, Back in the days When it was a Kind of traditional Blue collar town Um, You know Went to You know, regular education You know, I actually went to to Catholic school So, you know, I knew about angels I knew about, you know, different things But nothing where it was like a personal part of my, you know Heavy-duty belief system that I thought looked good Communicate with angels or have any type of life like that If anything, I think as I was growing up I was very much a skeptic You know, I'm a very traditional science kind of a guy You know, not a very, very big believer whatsoever In
0: anything, um,
2: you know, that would be considered paranormal
0: Okay, well, I guess... uh... I, I guess what I like my listeners to sort of get a handle on is what is it that and where where does the transition happen from a, being a child or a teenager or a young adult and, and suddenly wanting to uh, become involved with this uh, what some people call paranormal or you know intuitive uh, types of exchanges or in your case. Conversing or communicating with an angel When when did that transition occur And the reason I like to get this Is because they're parents of children (laughs) Who this kind of thing happens to Will happen to And it may give them an edge In terms of being able to be helpful Or pick out something
2: Well what was interesting for me Is it really it happened in adulthood for me. I guess when I was a kid, I guess I had like some of the normal sort of things that, that, that kids might have. And sometimes you would have that like pre cognition of somebody who was going to call on the telephone or something mm-hmm. that you thought might be happening. But it wasn't until, it actually wasn't until around 1990. Um, I had, um, I had moved into a house that uh, a friend of mine decided to, uh, who is my girlfriend now, we moved into a house, and we were just doing it. She had just purchased it. We were sharing the rent. We were trying to, you know, Mm to help each other out, and it was a beautiful house. I mean, the kind of house you just would would love to be in, four (laughs) bedrooms, center hall, colonial, everything Mm -hmm. was great, beautiful corner property. And about two months into living in the house, we Mm -hmm. started to realize that this house was incredibly haunted. Um, Now, that sound
0: that I just heard,
2: what was that? What was that? I don't know. I have a little bit of static on the phone. Oh, now, but, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, this is a completely different house, by the way. Okay. <laughs> this house. This house feels really good. Okay. Uh, no, this this house we when we lived in this house it was just a a really just the weirdest experience that. You could imagine having. I mean, it was it was literally the kind of thing that you would see in movies that you think is movie magic, and you don't really believe those kind of things can happen. I have examples. Um, you would go to bed at night, and you actually see these gray black shapes, uh, kind of like if you've ever seen the, you know, the symbols of like yin and yang. But, but those kind of shadowy figures that would just kind of float on the house. Uh, when lights would come on, they would disappear. When lights would go off, you'd, you'd see them again. Uh, there was a room in the upstairs that was about 20 degrees colder than every other room in the house. We started to see this mist that would actually form at the top of our stairs and kind of descend the stairs. Um my girlfriend started having these really unusual things happening with her jewelry where she would put her jewelry someplace and then it would turn up somewhere else. And in the beginning it was just where she thought she was just kind of losing it. And then she thought maybe the kids were moving stuff around, you know? Um, So this one day she says to me, we're, we're about to go out for lunch. And she says to me, I want you to see this. And she takes her jewelry and, you know, puts it in, inside one of those, or more cabinets, and she's got a little jewelry box in it. So she puts it in the jewelry box, locks the jewelry box, closes the armoire, locks the armoire. Said, "I just wanted you to see that." It's like fine. We go out to lunch, and she opens up her purse, and there's the jewelry inside her. Purse. So I mean, best magic trick of all time. But things like that were were occurring, and we had no clue what to do about it. It seemed as though every day it was kind of. Escalating, and that a little more was happening, and a little more was happening.
0: Well, I so, think I heard many, many listeners yelling, "Move!"
2: <laughs>
0: you know, that was if
2: we—if this had not been a house that was just bought, that would have been the first thing. I mean, if it was if it was a rental, we would have been, you know, check, let's get the bus. <laughs> we we're, we're we're out of here. Oh, but, you know the, the house was just bought, so we needed to figure out something to, and you know this was a time like now it's funny now in the news you actually hear stories about people who bought a house sued the previous owner because you know the house is haunted back then there was really not much conversation going on about anything like that and if you asked anybody about it they looked at you like you were crazy um which you know this, this situation that happened to us? We we went to a local church, our local parish, and we talked to um, our priest about it there, and asked him, could he come to the house and bless it? You know, because we had seen the exorcist, so we figured Catholic priests are supposed to know how to deal with this. <laughs> so the uh, <our> exorcist. <laughs> right. So um, our. Our parish priest came over, and it was actually so funny because he came into the downstairs hallway, and he sprinkled some holy water at the downstairs hallway. He said, okay, that should do it. <laughs> and it left as fast as he could. And we were like, Father, it's upstairs. It's all happening upstairs. And he's like, No, the holy water spreads. It's okay. <laughs> you know, it'll be fine. So, let's <laughs> to say, that that didn't have an effect. We we actually we joked about it after that what was in our house was probably like upstairs just laughing, like, you know, come on. So we really weren't sure what to do. And, um, there were very few people I could kind of trust to, to talk to about this because, you know, you start to talk about something like this and people look, like, you know, are you all right? You know, have you been doing anything weird? But a, a good buddy of mine, I, I, I talked to about it just saying, you know, this is the weirdest situation. You know me. I don't normally believe in this kind of stuff. And he said, you know, it's weird you would talk to me about it. He said, I, I've been going to see this therapist for uh, the past few months, and he said, you you know me, I, I've been going to therapy half of my life, and he said, I went to see this therapist on the recommendation of a friend, and I stopped therapy because she was amazing. Beside the fact that she's this, this incredibly gifted therapist, she's literally gifted. She's very psychic, so whenever I would like be trying to hide behind something, she would be like, uh, who's so-and-so? <laughs> what's, what's this about that I'm getting? And it, it just put me in a position I I couldn't really like hide from it, and things just started to move so quickly. He said, so, "But maybe because she's the psychic thing going on, maybe she could help you. And if she can't help you, maybe she can help you guys find out if you're going crazy. So <laughs> either way, it's a it's a good situation. Win win, win win, exactly." <laughs> So I contacted her, and it was it was so odd. I, I didn't even get a chance to tell her uh, anything that was happening before she started to say to me, "Look, there's something really weird going on in the house." And I don't normally do this, but could you grab the pad and paper because I'm um, I'm getting something that I I need to tell you. It's basically a ritual that you need to do, and just write it down exactly as I'm telling you, which I did, okay. and. Uh,
0: can you, um, can you hold sure. a ritual I'm That's certain everyone wants to know Exactly what she told you to do Just okay. so, so Listen Wisdom with the psychologist Christy Ann Izzard And please don't forget to follow me on Twitter um, When you go to the site www.amtherapy.com You'll also find the link for to Gift products um, We'll be back with Jerry Gavin, author of Messages from Market, year 2012 and beyond. Call into the program for 619-789-835.
3: Why should you passively exist with backaches, allergies, PMS, colds, flu, and other ailments? It's time to take charge of your life with preventive measures. Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies for an initial consultation. Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies today for an initial consultation and visit their website at www.amtherapies.com.
1: Or call 610-658-0135. Alternative Medicine Therapies. Okay, you
0: are listening to Wellness, Wholeness and Wisdom. With me, psychologist Carcenia Izzard, here on Blog Talk Radio. Now, remember, or I want you to realize, next week, my live guest, uh, July 24, 2012, will be Connie Bennett, C-H-H-C-C-P-C-A-C-C. She's the author of Beyond Sugar Shock, the six-week plan to break free of your sugar addiction and get slimmer, sexier, and sweeter. Just in time for summer. Uh, We are back uh, with Dr. I've given you a degree all of a sudden. uh, Thank you. Jerry Gavin, (laughs) author of Messages from Margaret for the year 2012 and beyond. Uh, Okay, Mr. Gavin, would you please pick up where you left off? (laughs) What did she tell you to do? (laughs)
2: what she asked us to do is to basically take the information which the the, the ritual itself called upon um, energies of light basically any kind of positive energies angels uh, anything that would be able to be a protective influence and it it instructed any of the energy that was in the house that was disturbing everything to to leave uh, there's a lot of individual detail that was, was inside of it. But the, the things that were most interesting about it is that she told us to write it on like big, um, you know, one of those big pads that you use when you're making a presentation to a group to make sure we wrote it on paper that was really big, like very bold. Cause she said, you're going to find when you try to do it, You're going to have a lot of confusion A lot of things that's going to happen Um, And the secondary thing Was that she wanted me to go out And get a compass uh, To make very sure that I was standing At the east end of every room We did this in And we had to do it in every room of house. We had to do it three different times uh, Three in the afternoon, three in the morning And midnight on three different days Very, very specific As to how the process would go Um, You didn't a lot of it. Uh, you know, we just were prepared to do it. This is what we're going to do. It was a very strange sort of a thing. And each time we did it, the resistance kind of amped itself up. Um, the first time we did it and we started it the house alarm uh, went off just in the, the process of starting doing the words first row, uh, you know, the, the, the fire and smoke alarms and things that the house had. <laughs> so we went down and we cut off the, the circuit breaker. So it would happen again. And it still off a second time. Uh, we actually had to, to kill the power to the house uh, to not have it. How it Worked without the circuit being on. We had no idea because it had its own circuit. But we would notice as as we progressed in this, there was more and more stuff that was happening, and more, it just became more and more, uh, again, like movie type believable. I mean, the the thing she said about the uh, the writing it down so we could speak very slowly and, and read it very carefully was because sometimes it almost felt like the words were coming out of our mouth and you would hear it as though it was like an audio tape that was being played in a backward direction or something. And you could tell it wasn't right. So you'd say it again and again, there was banging in walls, doors opening and closing by themselves, furniture drawers opening and closing by themselves. Um, We clearly were were ticking off whatever was in the house. And finally the last day um, my girlfriend as we were getting ready to do this for for some odd reason, you know, went to the refrigerator and grabbed a package of, of AA batteries and asked me to put them in my pocket. She had, she had no idea why she was asking me to do that, but, you know, please do that. And we, we ran through everything in this very last time. And when we were done, the house felt incredibly calm. It felt as though, you know, the temperature changed in that room where it was always really cold, everything seemed very relaxed. I was I just felt like I had been hit by a truck. Um I, I I just felt like the like the very life had just been sucked out of me. And uh one stairs went to take the batteries out of my pocket and the batteries had like partially melted in my pocket and, and I had that same effect in the course of that week on three car batteries. I would, you know, go out, drive my car and then just a corner grocery, and the next thing, you know, the battery would be dead, and I'd replace it, and then replace it, and replace it. And the guys at the car battery place, the uh, the service center, obviously were a <laughs> very <up>. happy. <laughs> what are you Nothing doing there? <laughs> yeah, well, no, because it was under warranty.
0: Oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, but I called back the woman who had given us the ceremony and asked her what was the deal with this? Why was I feeling the way I was feeling? And she explained that, um, asked me, first of all, did I get the compass? Was I at the Northeast corner, which I told her I was. And she said, that's good because I wanted you there because all of that energy that was going to be leaving the house was going to be going directly through you. And I was like, great. Why didn't you tell me that before?
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. And she said, well,
2: In all honesty, if I had, either A, you would have decided not to do it, or B, you would have been so frightened about it that the fear level would have been high, and it was important that you did this because you're going to be doing this work in the future, and you needed to recognize this energy and feel it so that you'll know it in the future. And I just thought that was the hysterically funny thing of the world because after just having done what we did, there was no possible way that I was ever going to work with anything spiritual again, <laughs> or you know, it goes <laughs> like um, <laughs> that was that was it for me. I was. Hello. We're losing you. Can you hear me okay now? Okay. Yes. I'll bring up the volume on my end a little bit. Okay. That was, uh, for me, I I thought it was going to be the end, and um, I wound up a couple of years later going to massage school uh, to learn to become a massage therapist, and the school that I went to was taught by a woman who not only was a really gifted massage therapist, but she had also studied all types of indigenous folk healing. She'd studied with Native American shamans and Latin American shamans. So every once in a while, she would bring things to the group that were much more traditional energy healing type of, you know, things that were were more shamanic processes. And in that group, I was always the one that would get the deepest and most profound reactions from any of these exercises. Uh, you know you it's kinda of one of those things where, as much as you wanna resist something after you get hit over the head by a two by four about ten times, you start <laughs> to say
0: <you> know, <laughs> you know
2: well you so, know I,
0: I okay, go ahead 'cause i'm want i'm i mean i'm so I'm enthralled with this all, all everything that you're saying here but i and, and I do want to get to the book uh, a little more, but I mean this is all part of it so so go ahead. <laughs> Um, I I started then to study more with her after massage
2: school and then with some of her teachers and other teachers, and I started to really learn about shamanism, learn about, you know, how to help people to do power retrieval and, and finding spirit guides and spirit animals and um, soul retrieval and things of that nature. What was interesting, though, is that in this entire process of learning all these different things, I never had encountered anything with angels. And there was something just always in the back of my head that was making me wonder why that was never happening. And it, it, it was a point where um, I, I, I was going through just kind of a really tough period in my life. Um, and at that point, I have, I was sitting down in bed one day, and I just asked kind of talked out to there to this angel that I, I was pretty sure was out there somewhere and said, you know, if I knew your name, I know I could find a way to talk to you if I just knew what your name was and uh, closed my eyes. And as clear as if I was looking at a white movie screen, um, there it was spelled out in big black bold letters, the name Margaret.
0: So well, now, wait a minute. Why were you so certain? What What made you so certain that there was an angel present in the you know, first place? I I I didn't know
2: that then. I understand it now, and I understand from from the writing of the book and things Margaret has explained that we we know in the background why. You know, there was a study last year, done December last year, an Associated Press survey where they asked Americans if they believed in angels. And 77% of Americans who were surveyed said that they absolutely believed in angels. A year before that, 56% of when they asked people, do you ever feel like you were personally touched touched by an angelic experience, said that mm-hmm. they did. So we have something inside us that knows that they're there. Um, and, you know, Margaret explains that because she says there's actually a DNA connection between the angels that were involved in our our creation and ourselves, which is why we have this, um, this primal knowledge, you know, that that knows that they're there just as we have other instincts that just know that they're there. And I think that's what I was tapping. into. I just think there was this part of me and, and also I think it was because she, She was trying to communicate. She was trying to to let me know that she was there, trying to to find some way that that I would be able to to do that. Um, And when the name came, you know, again, I always needing to be like hit over with that two by four. It took me a while because I just kept thinking, like, what kind of an angel name is Margaret? You know, that's,
0: I was. Expecting yeah, there's a, there's like, a certain uh, genre of name that's supposed to be, it's supposed to be like uh, yeah. Michael or something like this.
2: Right. I was, I was I waiting for something angelic. I was thinking, <laughs> the like but the more I would try to dad it, the more it kept coming up like every different thought you could think of was spelling out that name in my head and i i couldn't think first of how i was going to communicate and then the thought popped into my head that i had i had taken a, a workshop a couple of years before um where we learned about different techniques of communication and one of them and it was the one actually at that time I thought was the silliest one was a thing of automatic writing. And, and the concept being that you, you write a letter to, you know, basically what you're, you're, you're treating as though it's the closest friend you have in the world, the way you would write it to somebody who exists here on earth. That's your closest friend, asking for advice and asking for guidance and all kinds of stuff like that. And then, When you're finished with it, you sign your name, you know, Love, Jerry, and then you start a letter back to yourself. And this was the part that I had the most trouble with. You know, I I mean, I had done all of these other kinds of, you know, spiritual communication things. But to me, with the automatic writing, my logical mind is saying, okay, I wrote the letter now I am writing the letter back to myself. The chances are really good I'm going to get back every single thing I want to hear. You know, it's just, okay. It's just logical, you know.
0: Well, let's hold that thought. We have one more sure. break coming up here. So, this is Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Christenia Um uh, We're going to be back with Jerry Gavin, author of Messages from Mark. Uh, for the year 2012 and beyond, please follow me on Zoom. I'm Alternative Eddie. And remember to call into the program called one 789 Wellness, wholeness, and food.
3: Why should you passively exist with backaches, allergies, PMS, colds, flu, and other ailments? It's time to take charge of your life with preventive measures. Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies for an initial consultation.
0: Um, I want to remind you about the book I co-authored, 101 Great Ways to Improve Your Health. Now, nothing is more important... Than your health. Uh, But between the overburdened medical establishment, blaring crisis-driven health headlines and our own hectic lives, finding the information you and your family need can be next to impossible. We're here to help. We bring together 101 of the top minds in radically different branches of the healing professions to give you 101 simple, workable ways to attack disease, overcome unhealthy habits and live your life to its healthiest potential. Follow the link on my homepage. It's a beautiful blue book link. Okay, and we are now back with Jerry Gavin. He's the author of Messages from Margaret for the year 2012 and beyond. Call 619-789-6835 to ask questions of my guest. Okay, you can pick up where you left off, and then we're going to talk about your book a little more.
2: Alright, thank you So I I start this letter And begin it back to myself You know, with the the words um, Dear Jerry And I find that As I'm writing, first of all It starts off with a phrase That I would never use It starts off with the words Hello dear one and welcome And I'm thinking to myself, that's odd I don't normally start a letter that way (laughs) And then (laughs) <laughs> Especially when you're talking to yourself Exactly <laughs> And then I just I just started to let it flow And you know I'm, I'm writing it You know pen and paper And it just is flowing And flowing and flowing and flowing And what was really interesting Was that you know I, I had started off the letter with, uh, With You know just some conflicts And difficulties I was going through With some people at work And some people in my life And you know, just trying to figure out like what's wrong with this and what's going on with this. And so I would have thought that I would have, since I'm writing it, get back things that were kind of totally sticking up for me. And instead I wind up getting this very gentle, insightful, wise, um, incredible responses that are are way beyond what I could possibly have thought of a note. First of all, she's managing to tell me how 90% of what's going on in my life is my responsibility because of how I act towards things and have reacted toward things. And, you know, kind of the underlying currents of everything. But then additionally, she begins to give me insight about what's happening from the point of view of other people in my life and the things that, that they're going through, which were things I never would have thought of from their point of view, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, it was very, very odd, and the other odd part was that it was as though it was speaking directly to my heart. Because you know, when when someone, even if it is your best friend, um, comes to you and tells you, you know, that stuff that you're really upset about, well, ninety percent of that is your fault. <laughs> you know, the immediate thing is that you're going to get defensive. You're going to start saying, "Well, wait a minute," you know, that's not necessarily true, but. She was saying it in such a way that it it just was going beyond my head. My brain wasn't putting up any defensives, and I was just really taking it in. And I I finished the letter. I read it, you know, like 100 times, and then I decided, you know, I was going to try the scientific testing of the message and call a couple of the people that she had spoken about and ask them, you know, hey, by any chance could you be feeling this way about what's going on? You know clearly i I couldn't tell them you know i, I have a new pen pal. It happens to be an angel <laughs> but, but, yeah. I could, but i but I could at least test the theory and I did that, and every person I talked to said how I feel it's exactly the situation, and you know I'm so glad that you got that and it was interesting that in every one of those situations it it created a sense of peace, and everything kind of move forward so smoothly from it. So I started to do these letters on a more regular basis, primarily asking questions for myself. And then slowly but surely as I would share this with, you know, some of the people that I trusted in my life to to share it with, and they began to say, well, could you ask a question for me about this or, or that? And it just then continued to grow and grow until that just became something that I was doing. It just – messages from Margaret or or, or readings from Margaret became something that I would do for people and um, now I've done readings for for thousands of people and every one of them starts with that same introduction it always begins with hello dear one and welcome and it's always been so amazing to me that she has this capacity to relate to people individually with phraseology and, and and, um, and and special things that, that really chest down, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so that they're able to, again, hear it from their hearts. So what was interesting to me is that in, in the end of 2010, um, Margaret has kind of a cute way of letting me know whenever there's something that she would like me to do for, for her, if there's like a special project. Because in the beginning of doing a reading for someone, she'll say, you know, later on when the reading is finished, could you write me because there's something we need to talk about a moment.
0: <laughs> and that was... Well, that's nice. I mean, she's not doesn't seem to be very intrusive. No, she's very, very gentle.
1: And <laughs> the
2: uh, and, and quest was to put together this book of um, uh, messages. for, And I thought first it w- might be like a compilation of things that had happened in us, but it wasn't that. It was a separate book of of her messages to the world that talked on a a, a variety of topics
0: okay hold, just is, hold that for a second because i want sure. you to take a moment to share your contact information so that people know where they can go to purchase the book or to contact you if they want to arrange a reading or something of that nature
2: um, easiest way to contact me is to go right to my website, which is G-E-R-R-Y, G A V I N G-E-R-R-Y-G-A-V-I-N.com. And from there, you can purchase the book there. You can arrange for readings there. Um, there's contact information for dial numbers and email addresses, and everything is right there. So that's, that's cool. just the easiest way.
0: Okay, good. I wanted to make sure we got that. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. so she asks you to do this book now have you had you ever written anything before i had
2: not this was the the first time that i i had ever written a book and i wasn't exactly sure of of what the process was going to be so it began by every day just sitting down for a certain amount of time every day and just letting flow whatever it was that that she was saying and over the course of the roughly a year that i was writing it the the process kind of, um, of changed at different times as things were happening in the world also, you know? So we would be writing on a particular topic one day, but the next day she would be talking about something that might be a little more, uh, more timely at that time. So one of the, the bigger challenges was when everything was finished and the book you know, seemed like it was all And I sat down and I read it for the first time And it was like, oh my god, this is terrible <laughs>
0: <laughs> So you say she wasn't lack. an adept writer either Is that what you said? <laughs> well, the messages
2: were wonderful It was just a matter of, of
0: how to put Putting it all together Into something
1: right oh, yeah.
2: that had a flow And that someone would be able to read and and sense because there were different things that kind of worked beautifully with other things that might have happened three months later, But it was just a matter of kind of of tying the the whole thing together.
0: Well, you know, I've got to interrupt you because I do not want my my listeners attacking me Uh, uh, if I don't go ahead and ask you, well, what did she say about 2012, your Chapter uh, 6 in here? I usually like to go over the headings of the chapter. So they know what all is covered. Okay. Um and, and if you bear with me a second, I'd like to do that and then please tell us what she said about 2012. Uh, you have uh six, 16 chapters, which includes an afterword at the end. Uh, chapter one, The Reluctant Shaman. Chapter two, Touched by an Angel. Chapter three, The Myth of Creation. Chapter 4, The Myth of Separation. Chapter 5, The Myth of Time. Chapter 6, The Truth of 2012. Chapter 7, The Parable of the King and the Matter. And that's M-A-T-T-E-R in quotes. Chapter 8, Embracing Your Inner Truth. Chapter 9, Human Sexuality and the Soul. Chapter 10, One Creator, Many Religions, Always Angels. Chapter 11, The Higher Self, The Soul. Why Now? Uh, that was chapter 12. Chapter 13, Extraterrestrials and the Future Self. Chapter 14, How to Change How the World Thinks. Chapter 15, Raising the Vibration of the Planet. And then, of course, the, chapter 16, The Afterward. And, of course, I put a star next to several of those that I wanted to cover this evening, but I don't think we're going to be able to do that, so I'm going to quick, quick snatch you and take you to The Truth of 2012, and then we'll try to touch on some of the other topics as well. Sounds
2: great. So The Truth of 2012, the reason for her feeling so compelled to ask me to do this book is that she said we are... We're living in an energy of pervasive fear. And throughout all of time, whenever there has been the appearance of angels, mm-hmm. angels have always started with the same message constantly, which is fear not. And she says that they they say that not because they're frightening apparitions, because if anything, they, they you know, radiate love and peace, but they say it because it's fear that winds up creating Reality and and expanding that reality of fear. Um, 2012 is one of those things that has just created such a pervasive concept of fear because of the, the Mayan calendar and people believing that that for some reason the world was going to come to an end at 12. And she was very clear to point out that no, that is not. If the world is not ending. If anything, this is the beginning of an incredibly magical. If I can use that word, time, where where we have the ability to understand that that we can really create a very different reality for the world, that um, that for years and years and years we've been giving away our power. Whether we give away that power to to religions or we give away that power to politicians or we give away that power to other people. We don't realize that it's our thoughts, our day-to-day thoughts, that are actually creating our reality. And so she talks about that. She talks about how to begin to create a different reality on a personal level, which then expands to a planetary level.
0: Mm -hmm. Very good and that seems to be the consensus uh the majority of guests that i've had who deal with these kinds of things have pretty much said the same thing um but you know there's the movies and uh you know everything a lot of times things on television that instill fear and uh, encourage fear but hopefully they'll read your book and sit back and do the things necessary to you know generate that positive energy that you talk about um well, let's see what can I is there a certain part of the book? Are there certain chapters in the book that you would like to touch on um before this hour zips by? Well, there's a couple of things that and I'm, you know. Geez,
2: I, I, I've, I've like, read this book a thousand times, so I won't, <laughs> I, I'm not going to – I don't know exactly what chapter I should this refers to. But um, one of the things that she talks about, and I think it's just so important for, for people to understand, when she talks about the the, the fear concept and how fear creates reality, um, she uses modern-day things that are going on to show not only how, how fear creates a certain – way of things going how the newer technologies are bringing back the capability for people to to be more powerful the example that she used is the stock market and, and the economy and she says you know it's such an interesting thing that You know, we could wake up in the morning and we can feel great, and maybe made a little bit extra money, so we want to go to the store and buy something. We feel really good about it, and then we turn on the television and we find out that some expert has said that consumer confidence is down uh, because of some some figures that just happened. And so immediately we go, oh no, maybe it's not a good time to do that. So it's that thought creates, you know, and, and, and she talks about how even those systems, like our entire economic system is based on projected thoughts, that the stock market is, is based on, you know, what we think is going to happen in a particular product and people buy and sell that. We even trade fears. So we, we, we hedge our bets on whether or not something will grow or won't grow or do things. So, it's all thought-driven. All of the economy is thought-driven. And she talks about also, though, how technology is changing things so much. And she, it, it, we were writing this book during the time of Tunisia and the Arab Spring and and things like that. And she was saying, "Look how a single person in Tunisia." who had the ability to just start a Twitter campaign, someone who was just saying, this is not right, this is not the way that things should be, this is the way that the people should be treated, and tweeted those things out to some people, who tweeted it out to more and more and more, and all of a sudden, this despotic government was completely overthrown a number of days, you know? And that is a really interesting thing, because she says that Right now, there is, in her words, a perfect storm that has been created by the new technologies that allow people to speak to anyone they want to on other sides of the world. So we can't we can't have our governments like demonizing people anymore because now we actually know some of those
0: people, mm-hmm. you know, you can, and you can we, talk we, to we, them
2: <laughs> exactly, and we, can, and, and we can, and we can get past what, what the you know, television news might show us because we may know someone who says, No, this is really what's happening here or or they can actually go right to YouTube and post a video of what's really happening. So there's this this groundswell of, of power that people are starting to realize that the things that they have been taught, the myths that they have been taught aren't true. And they're starting to, to awaken and that's what she said 2012 was all about this perfect storm of technology coming together at the same time that people are questioning more and more and now those two things come together to awaken people to realize that there's a different world i think we we see that in in the occupy movement the occupy wall street movement which just go off in one spot and all of a sudden it was all over and all over the world you know so that's a a major area that she speaks of And then she talks about how You can actually change your personal Energy to to make yourself A part of that so, One,
0: Okay, I thought you were going to go on <laughs> Well, okay, I'm <laughs> I <agree> <laughs> yeah. okay. tell them, read the book, get the book, folks, get the book. Um, <laughs> now, you've touched, there's a chapter here on human sexuality and the soul and extraterrestrials right. and the future self. Now, there's a lot going on, of course, about human sexuality these days, so I don't know if you want to touch on that particular chapter or not, but I'm certain... There are a lot of people interested in that, and then the other one is extraterrestrials and the future self. maybe that would be a safer uh, yeah i'm i'm actually i'm fine with either of them
2: it, okay well, then go, go with it. A friend of mine who read the book A friend of mine who read the book said One of the things I love about Margaret is she touches on Everything you're not supposed to talk At a cocktail <laughs> yeah. party or, or, or a family dinner uh-huh. But the, the sexuality chapter She talks about the fact that um, You know we think that, that sexuality is just a physical thing, and then, you know, even some of the more enlightened teachers may say, you know, sex isn't about just what you feel. Sex is is in your brain, like 90% of, of what you feel sexually is in your brain. And Margaret says, no, you know, 100% of what you feel sexually comes from your soul, your soul is the overriding energy that gives a part. She described your soul as being so much grander and larger and immense than we would ever imagine. And our soul actually takes pieces of its energy and places pieces of that energy into different forms at different times. And that was where she talks about the myth of time. And that one is too much to to go into right now. But what she says is that, if you could picture for a moment that you you put this energy into a physical form in different periods of time, and sometimes that physical energy is in a form more often in one form than another form, and then you make a switch at one point in time, sometimes it's hard for that human form to identify with that gender that it's been given you know, through this sexual energy, and that so you're that, talking about
0: reincarnation.:
2: I'm talking about reincarnation, or she actually doesn't describe it as reincarnation. she just describes it as incarnation that's taking place at one time throughout a spectrum of time. And that just to, to give you a quick example of, of what she talks about in the myth of time, she says that we've invented telescopes now that we can look through and we can see the death of a star. You know, we actually can see what's happening. Now, that image that we see right now may have actually happened a thousand years ago, but by the time the image reaches us, where we're looking at it right now, we say, okay, this is what's happening. So she explains that time exists at the same time. We can see something through a telescope that happened a thousand years ago. I can talk right now with you and on the internet, people can be listening to it in many different time zones where it's tomorrow or, or, or yesterday or, you know, three hours away. So time bends and that's where she gets into the aspect where we have these incarnations that are taking place all at one time. Some of which we are men, some of which we're women, and some of which that, the that, Thing, that incarnation that we may have repeated more progressively than another one will give us more of an identity. Right, it lingers. So that It makes sense then when you think about it, why somebody at the age of five or six or seven will have an attraction, you know, a male might have an attraction to a female or an attraction to a male. And that's what she talks about is is sometimes the confusion of gender identity or the confusion and, and how there is no wrong to it as humans. We have a side value to say, oh, you're feeling this feeling, and that's wrong. You're feeling this feeling, and that's right. She says if you're feeling what your soul is feeling, then that's right. If you're honoring the soul's energy. Okay, now I have,
0: unfortunately, I have got to ask you for some very, very quick final words of wisdom and then beg you to come back another time. (laughs) Uh, Because we only have about a minute. I would love to come back. Okay, so okay. please, your final quick words of wisdom.
2: Final quick words of wisdom. If if she talks about a technique that she actually credits someone who, who works with this technique on, on earth, a gentleman by the name of Noah St. John, that's called affirmations. Uh, a lot of us do affirmations, which are, are things that tell us, I am prosperous, I am this, I am that. She said, if there is a way to change your reality, begin to think not of the statements you make to yourself, but of the questions you ask yourself. Um, and the easiest way to change your reality Is to change the question So if for
0: example Okay, is I'm though. sorry I cannot let you go any further oh, sorry. <laughs> Thanks so much Folks, you've okay. been listening to Wellness, Wholeness and Wisdom With me, psychologist Parkega, Rizard, Um Beyond Sugar Shop.
2: Uh well that also Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky?
3: In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.